Hi, I'm Jay. And I'm Aaron. And I'm Tori. And you're listening to episode 69 of the Salty Mother Clutchers podcast. I'm Tori Peters. Uh, I ride a Yamaha FZ07, and I'm recently also added to it a AKT TT200 Dual Sport um, while I'm here in Colombia. How long have you been riding? I've been riding on and off since I was like 18, but I actually didn't get a license until, I don't know, probably I was like 35. Okay. So you were just doing yeah. it. So like... I, I was an illegal rider. Yeah, yeah. I was an illegal rider for like, I don't know what I was that is, like 17 years. <laughs> like more but than. Now I'm like a legit. Yeah. Illegally riding like for a legit... longer, longer than most people have been riding. And now you're legit. Yeah. So, so here's a question. Now I'm legit. Now I'm like government sanctioned. Woo. So here's a question. <laughs> Do you need a license in Colombia? In Colombia, you don't need a license. You okay. need like. It's a whole, it's like this whole funny thing where you need a card that says that your bike has been checked out by a mechanic and that it's safe. You need a proof of ownership that shows like you haven't like stolen it or something. And you need a very, very minimum insurance. Okay. Those are the okay. three things you need to ride. Okay. Well, but, and they sort of say like you should, you know, like for me, I'm not a, a, a Colombian citizen. So it's like I should have my passport as well to ride. But beyond that, you know, I, I've never been asked for a license or anything. So because people don't necessarily need a license or safety courses or anything like that there, like, do people ride like maniacs? <laughs> no, actually, I mean, yes, yes and no. But there's a whole, there's like, like motorcycles here are like daily work machines. Like it's sort of the opposite from the US where like, you know, you have your cars and then you have the motorcycle for leisure. Like people use their bikes to get to work, to carry things around. They even sort of take the back axle off of a motorcycle and put like two wheels on it and make it into sort of like a cargo thing. So motorcycles are like the motorcycle culture isn't really like, let's be daredevils because it's fun. It's sort mm -hmm. of like, I'm trying to save on gas and get to work. And so there's like a whole kind of different way that people ride and a whole bunch of different like safety precautions because the roads are kind of messed up and there's not as many, uh, at least where I am, as many like stop uh, stoplights and things. So there's like a whole kind of culture of like beeping when you go through intersections and, and mm -hmm. kind of taking care because, yeah, because it's, it's just there are so many motorcycles out and it's like the way to do traffic with them. So as in comparison to like, say the States or Canada or, you know, where there's like a distinct motorcycle culture difference between like, say, sport bike people, uh, cruiser people, racing people, and like, you know, MCs and stuff. Is there any of that there as well? Or is it, is it mostly just the, the commuter? There's like, the, so there's definitely like sort of people who have street bikes. So most of the bikes here are about like between um, 100 and 200 cc's. Like to have a th anything above 200 is really like you have a luxury bike and there really aren't that many roads to take super, you know, anything even above like a 300, like a, like a Honda XRE 300 is like, that's what the police ride here. It's like what the army rides is a, th is a 300 yeah. single cylinder um, because you just don't go that fast. There is like a little bit like, do you ride? on the street or do you ride on like dirt roads and back trails and a lot of that is less like a question of like culture and what you prefer than simply how much pavement is in your area right so like in a place like medellin or bogota people are riding street bikes because the roads are largely paved here in santa marta you people will ride these like um like bajaj which is an indian bike um, there's like a lot of Bajaj street bikes or AKT makes a bike called an NKD, which is a 125 single cylinder. That's like, sort of looks like a retro street, like a retro Japanese bike. 
Um, and those are street bikes. But really, if you go anywhere outside of that, you're riding like a Yamaha 150 dirt bike, like an XTZ 150, or you're riding like what I've got, like an AK AKT um, dual sport bike that's like a 200. Um, and there's, there's some Suzuki's and some some Hondas here. Um, but it's it's really, it's less like a kind of culture thing than it is a what's the right bike for the situation you have. That said, I was in Barranquilla, which is a, another city down the coast last weekend for carnival. And there was some sort of Latin American motorcycle um, group that had come for carnival. And so there was like hundreds of people with cruisers, which I'd never seen here before. Huh. And they'd come huh. from like all over Latin America for carnival. So there is, I guess, like a, you know, a cruiser biker culture but it's and they're wearing like the same biker stuff that you see anywhere else like you know leather leather vests with patches and like, right you know mm -hmm. where you're from and what's your affiliation and stuff like that but generally it's like you buy the bike for the roads that you have right so like whereas around here you you would buy a motorcycle and then there's immediately like a a image that's pushed onto you of like being a you know some sort of a quote-unquote badass or whatever and then yeah. down there it's more like just chill <laughs> it's like yeah it's like I, I oh you have that. a honda civic you know yeah like, it's like it's not there's not a big statement when you have a motorcycle it's like you need a reasonable form of transportation i mean i'm just learning i'll say all this like i've been on and off here like a year and so i'm still like learning the kind of thing and i i i do have you know back in the states like i have a uh, what is a naked sport bike, the Yamaha. So I have like familiarity with with the more you know North American way of doing it. But mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm kind of digging, I'm digging motorcycles as a way of life here because also like when you're on the roads, everybody's looking for motorcycles. Nobody's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. what's the motorcycle doing out um, here? You know, it's like that's the major form of transportation. Oh, I love that. I love motorcycles making sense. And not just being like yeah. a bunch of posers trying to look cool. <laughs> like I'm just trying no, to I get mean, where I got to go and I'm strapping what I need on this thing and off I go. Right. Yeah. Like everybody here has got a top case. You know, I know yeah. that people are like, it's, you know, like in the States, it's like top cases are like uncool and they like mar the status of your bike. Well, no, like everybody here has got a top case because everybody here wants to carry stuff. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and on one hand, I'm thinking like, there's no way a motorcycle podcast like ours would survive with, you know, in that sort of a culture. But then I'm like, it's also very utilitarian, which yeah. is very much, you know, our style. That's I our guess. style. If, if we have a style, I guess that would be it. Yeah. There's like a biker bar here in, 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 it's in Santa Marta, like a, to be a biker is a motero uh, here in Santa Marta. And like, there is a biker bar and, but it's not like it's not like you have like the sport bike people like separated from the, from the street bike people separated from the cruisers. It's sort of like, it's just a place that actually has like a pretty good parking lot. So you can bring your bike there and <laughs> have a drink. Like the, like the definition is really like good, good motorcycle parking at right. this particular nice. bar rather than like, you know? Um, and so that's like, that's, I don't know. I, I appreciate it. And there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely people who like, you know, get, They'll, they'll put like a new exhaust on their bike because they want it to be like louder or like lights are a big thing here. Like a lot of the 125 bikes come with like pretty bad um, stock lights. And so people will be like really like putting like, you know, 7,000 lumen LED headlights. Oh it's just like, that's like a check it. That's like bling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so people do like they definitely, you know, customize and I have like a lot of pride in their customizations, but it's, it's, it doesn't fall along the same lines, I think, as, as North American motorcycle culture. Um, how did you choose that bike that you just bought? So I, so the, there's like two, two places from Santa Marta that, that you'd really want to go on a motorcycle that are like really cool. One is La Guajira, which is a desert. It's like a, at the very north part of Colombia, 
it's mostly like rainforests and mountains, but at the very north part of Colombia, there's it turns into desert, which is about three hours from me. And you can ride like entirely off-road in the desert. There's like dunes, there's trails, there's like, it's, and it's extremely sparsely populated. There's some like uh, indigenous groups that live out there, but you can, you can kind of like have really pretty amazing riding out there for which you really want uh, uh, you know, a, a dirt bike of some sort. And then up the mountain for me, there's an area called Minka, which is mountain like rainforests, all dirt roads. So I knew I wanted a dirt bike and I knew I wanted something that I could ride for like three hours fairly comfortably. Mm-hmm. And I know that like 200 cc's doesn't sound very big, but 200 cc's is so much more comfortable than like 125 for three hours yeah. just like the buzziness of like a tiny yeah. engine yeah it's a, lot, and a little easier on the head so then i was looking at yeah i was looking at a like a, a royal uh enfield that they royal enfield just started importing bikes and assembling them here in columbia so i was looking at royal enfields but um they're really stand out like they really like nobody they're they're about twice as much as like a, as all the other colombian brand bikes and they're pretty heavy and most people just park on the curbs and stuff. And I just pictured trying to muscle out this like big, heavy, you know, for here, bike onto the curb and just kind of standing out. So the AKT is a Colombian brand of an engine that's assembled in Taiwan and it's very, very common. Mm-hmm. It's got six speeds so you can go on like longer journeys with it somewhat comfortably. And it's it's a dual sport style. It's it looks sort of you know like a very tiny Kawasaki KLR six fifty or something like that. You know, um, it's, you know street legal and everything. Um, and so and, and also it's like half the price of of any of the Japanese or or like other brands, which mm. for me is great because I can buy it if I break it. It's no big deal, and all and everybody since it's so cheap, everybody here has them, which means that there's like roadside repair everywhere you go. Nice. Right? There's always like in every little place there's some like you know mechanic whose main work is AKT motorcycles. It's like having a sportster in the states. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like everybody knows how they work. Everybody's seen them before. Yeah. You know, everybody knows basically where to source parts. Yeah. You know, there's no. There's nothing like no one's gonna like you're not gonna come in with an AKT and someone's not you know someone's gonna scratch their head being like what is that you know they know. Hmm. So are you riding mostly alone down there? Or are you taking passengers? Or are you finding people to ride with? Like how are you uh, finding it as far as hitting the um, road? I ride with my partner Chris. Um, she also rides. She's she has a KTM back in the U.S. and um, she but and we. We share, I guess we, we've shared custody of the AKT. I've <laughs> um, been there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, the bike's name is like Il Penguino, which is like the penguin or El Penguino, the penguin. Um, because we, the, ba- the back seat is, um, the, the passenger seat is pretty uncomfortable. So we went to like the local, uh, there's a, this chain store called Miniso and we bought, uh, what like this penguins this flat stuffed animal penguin uh <laughs> pillow it's like made out of memory it's like but it's made out of memory foam so it's like a really great solution and we just sort of strapped the penguin pillow to the back seat and that's really comfy and so the bike is called the, pe- the penguin and it's also black and white so, so not so. only is there customization culture there you're you're really pioneering this customization yeah. culture <laughs> it was well it was actually someone else who told me they were, uh, we were, they were like, um, I was like, um, some little shop and I was like, is there like something? Cause we got a top case with a little backrest on it. And we're like, is there something for the thing? And they were just like, Oh, just go to mini. So everybody gets the memory, like it's the cheapest play, way to get memory foam is just these stuffed animals. From <laughs> so it's like, 
Most people remove the penguin because like most people are like not down with having like a penguin stuffed animal on their bike, but we thought the penguin was cute and like funny. So we left the penguin <laughs> well, fuck covering. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So that, I don't know if that answers. That is how I ride. Is <laughs> I mean, that's a good enough answer for me. Yeah. I, I accept this. I would have a hundred percent left it a penguin too. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. I, I saw the picture when you sent me the link to the website of like your bike and I was like, that bike looks like a bird. <laughs> it does look like yeah. a bird. Yeah. It does. It's very, there was a bear uh, stuffed animal pillow and a Shiba Inu stuffed animal pillow. And we thought that really the, the penguin yeah. was like the vibe. Well, the vibe people, the people put like, people put like sheepskin and stuff and on their bikes. Yeah. And, like, it's just no different, right? Yeah. It's the you same. Know, yeah, totally. it's, it's just more, yeah. you know, conscious. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little, little little penguin penguin hide. <laughs> it's like penguin leather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, how's that for hauling two people? It's, I mean, Tight. mostly we're going pretty slow, okay. so it's okay, you know. And like, um, you know, it's a lot of like on the hills. It's a lot of like first gear, but but the roads are. The roads are where, we're, where where I like to take it. You know, around the city, it's it's great. It's like really economical for gas. You never go more than like thirty miles an hour in the city, anyway. And then once you're on the out in the countryside, the roads are like pretty gnarly. You know, dirt road, mud. Um, you cross streams and stuff like that. Like it's really important to me to get a get one with a muffler that's you know raised because you do cross streams occasionally and so you're never really going you're never really going more than like 25 miles an hour most of the time and you don't need i mean it's really taught me how like insane the engines in north america are like there's like even my Mm -hmm. my fc07 is 700 with like crazy torque and it's like that much power i've I actually don't think I need it. You know, it mm-hmm. seemed like 700 seemed like a normal amount of power when I bought that bike, you know, to do like highway stuff. And now I'm kind of like, I just got so used to having these huge, huge engines and just seeing what people do. Like the cargo bikes here are, are carrying so much cargo and they're 250s. Mm-hmm. You know, people just go around with you. and like 250 is actually like, I mean, if you think about like the horsepower on these bikes, like I think my bike is 16 horsepower. And that's like what bikes were in like the sixties and seventies, you know, they weren't yeah. like the, the kind of horsepowers that we get from these engines now, they're just outrageous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. We yeah. talk about that a lot on here because we think like people just make excuses for like air quotes, needing a bigger bike. And like, we always joke about how we want to get a two fifty rebel and just like ride the fucking shit out of it. Like as a regular, yeah. as our regular bike, just yeah. to like prove to people that two fifties can do a lot of shit. It can do yeah. most like 99% of yeah. the type of riding you want to do. Like you can get that out of a bike that small. Yeah, for like sure. Not, not a problem. And I, I think it's like, you know, a lot of people want that buffer of acceleration where you're going like 70 and you want to be able to just like quickly go 90 to get out of trouble or something like that. Yeah. Mm. And I understand that. But for me, it's like, I'll just ride defensively and go like 65. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I'd like, I, I've started like riding this AKT has really made me like look again at the, at this Yamaha I have, which I'm just like the kind of torque and like the kind of acceleration it has. It's like, it's like, it's just to get that feeling in your stomach of acceleration. You know, it's not, there's no utility to it other than like, wow, my stomach dropped because I, you know, pulled on the throttle. So Mm -hmm. what kind of riding do you like to do on the Yamaha? Like, why do you have that bike? And what kind of riding do you do with that when you're back home? Okay. Well, I should tell you kind of like my bike history, which is like how I ended up with this. So when I was 18, I bought my first motorcycle and this is like when I didn't have a license. Yeah. I just was, I was at college and I was like, I just really, I didn't have a car or anything. And, um, my college is like outside of, outside of the city. It was like, I, you know, one of those isolated liberal arts colleges. So it's like, I really want a motorcycle to like be able to just leave and go places. And, um, I had about $600 and that was enough to, and eBay was like, out and so it was enough to 
buy a bike. I found a bike for 600 on eBay. It was like a 1980s shaft drive Yamaha, like one of those. Oh, fuck uh, yeah. I think it was like an XJ 600 or something like that. I think is what it was, what it was, but it was, it was a four cylinder and I found it on eBay and I saw it was like in this other city about like I don't know, 40 miles away. And I said to the guy, I was like, can I just come pick it up? And I didn't tell him I didn't have a license or I didn't tell him that I actually didn't know how to drive a motorcycle. Um, and my friend had a motor had like a, Suzuki GS 550 and he gave me like a little lesson in the parking lot like here's how a clutch works like here's how this stuff works um and I was just like stupid I was like a total idiot at 18 <laughs> and um I was like well I'm gonna go buy this motorcycle so I get to the motorcycle and it's owned by a cop and I was oh, like fuck, fuck. <laughs> and the cop was like um so you like have stuff for this and I was like uh I was like, no, I just was going to buy it and then like get, get things. And he was like, <laughs> and you could see he was like this, I want to get rid of this motorcycle. And here's like somebody who's going to buy it like right now. Um, but I also know that this is like a terrible idea. So he was like, he was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your money. I'm going to wheel the motorcycle to the end of my driveway off the property. And then I'm going to turn around and go back inside and not look at what happens to you. And, um, <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that seems good. Like, like <laughs> right. You know, like a responsible thing for you to do, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it sounds very uh, police-ish. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. And, 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 you know, it took me, the bike was, it was basically okay. The bike, um, it needed like a carb clean and some other stuff, but it, it got me home. And I remember like, the first time I took it on, I had to take it on the highway to get home. And, um, you know, I was pretty terrified, but yeah, I got home and then I had it like all through college, but I just, I, it was like, there was like one thing after another where I just like couldn't get a license or couldn't get insurance. I couldn't get all these different things. And eventually that bike got like seized by the school because, it was like in the parking lot and there was like, no, it just like, wasn't legit. Right. With the, uh, with the whatever. And I was kind of like the amount of money, it was $600 for the bike and the amount of money that it would take him to like free the bike was, and like the kind of like conversations with like school officials and stuff about it was like more than I was willing to, to deal with. So that was, that was, that was, it lasted two years. And I think it was like wow. a good, it's, good two years. Yeah. Good two, it, I mean, I was happy. It took them two years to like catch on. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like the weird thing about motorcycles too, is that like, if there had been just a car that was like not registered in the parking lot, somebody would have noticed it. Like, but like the motorcycle parked off to the side, just it, it sort of just like evaded attention, (laughs) which I think motorcycles sometimes do. Yeah. Different rules for motorcycles, right? Yeah. So I was into that motorcycle for a while. And then I didn't ride for a bit. Uh, I lived in Uganda for for a year when I was like right before I transitioned, and um, I had a, uh, a really old Mitsubishi Pajero four x four, which is like it was like a diesel. It's like the same one that was used. Basically, the the UN always used Land Cruisers mm-hmm. in most places, but for like two years they got in a fight with Toyota and they bought a bunch of Mitsubishi Pajeros that were like much, much worse than Land Cruisers. (laughs) And then two years later, they like made their deal with the Land Cruiser again. And so there were a bunch of old eighties diesel Pajeros just floating around that were like ex institutional cars left over from when the institutions were fighting with Toyota. And I got one of those and it was constantly breaking. And I met these mechanics who were, who would help me, fix it and in their shop was a kawasaki klr 650 and it just like i mean they're really big those 650s yeah they are very physically big physically they're really big and the mechanic was just like yeah i can go anywhere on this bike like i can go wherever i want and that just stuck in my head and then i transitioned and for a while in new york i felt like very very meek like I felt like really um you know people would like talk to me and I you know it was, it was that period after transition I was like, oh, like I just didn't want to talk to people on the street I didn't want to like 
I didn't like going to the store was like a whole ordeal where it was like, and you know, how do I feel about how I look or makeup or like all those kind of things. And I was just was like, at one day I was like, I really don't love how little like space I feel entitled to take up, like how, how unfree I feel and just like the way I traverse the world. I feel so meek and so, I felt fear, you know, I felt a lot of fear when I moved around. And I just was thinking about this KLR 650 and this mechanic who's like, I just go anywhere I want to go on this 650. And I was like, I, I want that. Like, I want that feeling of, mm-hmm. um, of, of being able to go places. And I was, I was dating this older guy at the time. Um, I mean, I guess you could say he was my sugar daddy, um, <laughs> but he was, he was, I cared about him too. I mean, the relationship was definitely based on early on. It was like a transactional kind of thing that way, but um, you know, and he had bought a boat and he did not know how to ride this. He did not know how to have drive this boat at all. He was like, you know, I was bumping into things and he was terrified <laughs> of taking it out because he was going to crash it like, you know, into a dock, you know, anytime he used it. And, um, and I had worked in a Harbor when I was young. So I was like, I know how to ride a boat and I know how to like help you with your boat. And so, um, which was like the basis of our early relationship was like basically sex and driving a boat. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, it's kind of, like kind of a decent deal. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was great. It was honestly really, but he was like, he was like, Oh, you're like, I'm learning about like, you should learn something. And one day I was like, well, there's this KLR 650. I've been thinking about a KLR 650. And he just was like, mm, okay. And didn't say anything about it. And I was going home from his place and I was on the train and he, he was like, there's one for sale in Staten Island. Go get it now. And I'll, 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 I'll buy it for you. You buy all the insurance, you buy all the stuff, I'll buy you the bike. I was like, and I was like, he, you know, he mostly, I didn't know how long the offer was good for, you know, because <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's like he would have an expansive mood like that. And be like, I'm going to do this for you. And then, other times, you know, you might mention like, remember when you said that? And you'd be like, no, no, I don't remember that. So I was like, <laughs> it's like you got to strike when the when when the mood is expansive. So he's like, there's one Staten Island. So I just like went. I still didn't have you know license, still didn't have anything, but I just went to Staten Island. <laughs> and um, you know, it was it was brand new. Um, it was like a you know year end. They were before the next year model year rolled out. And uh, they were getting rid of the ones I had in the, whatever it is, the fall, October or something like that. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just bought it, you know, and he, with, with the money he gave me. And, um, and then suddenly I had this KLR 650 in, in, in New York and it totally changed my relationship with like being on the street because suddenly when people wanted to talk to me, they didn't want to talk to me about like, whatever I was doing in terms of my presentation, whatever I was doing in terms of gender, like they only wanted to talk about the motorcycle, you know, <laughs> they would be like, what's that bike? It's pretty big, blah, blah. And they kept on being like, is that your boyfriend's bike? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So then I painted it pink so that everybody would know it was my bike, you know, like, <laughs> even though that like kind of redid the whole gender thing I was trying to escape from, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I had this pink KLR 650 in New York for, and it was kind of like a statement piece that I that I feel like everybody in my neighborhood kind of got to know me as like, you know, the trans girl on the pink KLR. <laughs> um, and I got really into like, like, you know, KLR, they have a whole kind of culture of, of KLR people have a culture of um, modding their bikes. So I got into like, you know, making like a little dash and like learn some electronics and stuff to, to, to do some work on the bike and I had it like basically perfect. Um, and then, and then, then it got stolen. You know? uh, <laughs> what's up with that? Yeah. Is that, the, um, is that the New York way? Yeah, basically I think it's just really hard to hold on. And KLR 650s are popular bikes to steal. Like a I pink mean, one. I think they just break it. I think they just take it into parts, you know, they just, and then, and then, you know, it's sold as it do. I'm, like that was always so sad. Is like all my little careful mod, mods were probably like chopped up into pieces and right. aside oh, yeah. for for the you know repair parts. 
But I mean, like the like, there's like a super asshole motorcycle mechanic that at the end of my block, he's like famously an asshole. Like, if you read his like Yelp pages, it's like I didn't know they made assholes like this. Still, you know, it's, it's <laughs> wow. just awful. Um, he's like a good mechanic, but terrible, terrible person to interact with. And like the first thing he said to me when he saw the bike was like, "That was a mistake. It's the most stolen bike in New York City." And I was like, <laughs> "What?" Thanks, guy. You know, anyway, he was right. He was correct. It got stolen pretty fast. How long two, did two you... years? Okay, See, you got a two-year yeah. rule too. It's the two-year rule. I got two years out of it. Well, my haunt, my Yamaha. So I got I had insurance on it, and I learned actually that I'm not actually likely to go all over the world on a motorcycle, like on a single motorcycle. You know, the the KLR dream is actually mm-hmm. probably not not my dream. Um, it, you know, it's. I will go places and maybe have a bike here, a bike there, but I don't think I'm going to take a single bike anywhere I need to go. And so, and the, and the, it's so big. Like every time you went across the Williamsburg Bridge or one of the big bridges in New York, like you just get so blown around. It just was kind of the wrong bike for New York. Like it turned out once I'd had it for a while. And yeah, someone just told me that like what is now called the MT-07, what was then the FZ-07, was like a really solid bike with like so much fun, you ne- like enough power that you'll never get sick of it without it being like so much power that you have to like constantly be holding it back. Mm-hmm. So I got, I I found a used one in Pennsylvania, and used my insurance money and got that um, FCO seven. Used up the last of my pink spray paint from the KLR <laughs> and sort of pinked that one out too, and. Uh, I've been riding. That one has not gotten stolen. I've had that one for years. How many years? It's. I think I got it in 2016. So all that said, like, do you have a dream bike? Like, if money were no option and you were, uh, you know, the roads were no option. Huh. I'm sure you probably have I, many. Yeah. I mean, I. I think it depends where I am. If I was here in Colombia, I might try for like a they do import KTMs here that are like super, you know, like the, the six nineties or the, or stuff like that. Like the six ninety, I think weighs like 350 pounds, um, like six ninety, like, uh, R the adventure one, it weighs like 350 pounds and has so much like handling that always seemed really cool to me to have like a, a bike that could, that could fall over and that I wouldn't like exhaust myself picking it up if I, if I dropped it, but yeah, I don't know. I like light agile bikes, I think, is, is what I'm learning about myself mm-hmm. as more as I go on in my motorcycle adventures. And or, specifically sporty bikes. I like, yeah, I don't like a ton of, I don't think I need a ton of power, but I like being able to sort of flick it around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought a Road King once um, and it was super cool. Like it felt like a, you know, riding on like a lazy boy recliner at 70. It was incredibly comfortable, but it, it was, it was like, there was a part of me that was like, I, I don't know if I would just rather have a car. Right. Right. Yeah. I actually have a question for you all because it's, it is so interesting being here in Colombia with like the way that like what bikes get sold and, and, and the sort of price points around them, mm-hmm. you know, just the idea of like, Oh, like, I think the AKT I bought brand new was $1,800. And that was like, that's, that was like a pretty nice fancy bike for Columbia. And it's because there's all of these, there's bikes that like in the United States, people turn their nose up. Like a lot of these Chinese bikes, they'll look at those bikes mm-hmm. and be like, no, I won't ride like a Chinese bike. But like here, that's not, that's not a thing. So there's all these different brands coming in from China here that are half the prices for like the legacy brands. Like mm-hmm. Vogue just came here. Royal Enfield, obviously from India, is here. Um, and they're they seem like to me like they seem like really pretty nice bikes that you can tinker on and get all the parts that you want for on like the internet or shipped or something mm-hmm. like that. And I kind of like I sort of like the culture around like yeah, like whoever makes a bike that we can make work, like we're down with it, you know, and, and they won't even sell those bikes in the U.S. Right. 
the same friend of mine had the the CB has a I can't remember the brand name of it because it was a Chinese like off brand name, but it was a two hundred street and trail bike that we called Putt Putt, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was an awesome little bike. Like it was so easy to work on and so like, like I think it was like two thousand bucks like new. Like you're not you're not afraid to like mess anything up because it's yeah. not like it's not like a twenty thousand dollar like whatever. I don't know. There's just something really fun about it. Like there's something freeing about having a bike that you feel like you can just toss around, fix and go, Oh, well, I'm just going to fix that myself. Like, yeah, you know, that's, there's, I don't know. There's something special there. Like I, I, I would definitely consider getting, like we've talked about getting dirt bikes around here cause we're on the North shore and we have a beach nearby and trails in the woods. Yeah. But uh, we've never actually bit the bullet and gotten anything. Yeah, have you seen like they sell like these like thousand dollar pit bikes on Amazon or like you know wherever like, yeah. that are just little dirt bikes, you know? Yeah. And like you could just change out the car if you want like a little more power or something like that. Like I think those are super cool. Oh yeah, yeah. They, we, we can buy those at the hardware store here. That's like awesome. like you, you can pick up like a lawnmower, a snowblower, and like a little pit bike, and it's like fuck yeah. But. <laughs> But yeah. it is, but it is the same. Like most people will, will turn their nose up at it. Like if they're a serious rider and like go, oh, that's, that's for kids. That's for like, you know, a beginner bike. Right. It's like, fuck that. I'm like, no, it's not. We're always like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Does it, yeah. is it, is it a motorcycle? Does it work? Okay. Let's, mm-hmm. let's try it out. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I've been like, I mean, with this AKT, like I've been just sort of like, yeah, totally. It's been making me really reevaluate my relationship to these bikes I watched this YouTube video, this YouTube thing too. I forgot what the name of the guy is on YouTube, but it's a guy who went all around the world on a Honda C90. Do you know what those are? The C90s? Yeah, the CT? Yeah, like the little like nine, like the, the scooters that yeah, like, yeah, yeah, were yeah. from the 70s. <laughs> he, took, he took a little 90cc scooter. You know, he went from Alaska to Argentina and he just like, whenever something broke, he would just sort of like go to the local you know bike wherever like you can find like bike parts like find something that basically functioned strap it to that bike and continue on his way like when his suspension broke he like took the suspension off another bike welded it to the front of the scooter yeah. and he was like this is way better now like and it was like <laughs> it was like this like terrible frankenstein bike that took him all around the world and unlike you know if he was on like a bmw 1200 like adventure bike where people were like uh like you know this person's like doing a thing like we're not going to talk to him like everybody was delighted to see him yeah. show up mm-hmm. on a on a scooter you know it's kind of like this is similar to like our penguin pillow like you show up and your bike is a little funny and cutesy and like whatever <laughs> and people are like oh we want to talk whereas like when you show up on like a bmw you know adventure <laughs> uh, bike people are like this person no like this is not a f- it's not like a friendly entrance you know like, like, a little 90 cc like beeping a horn like some stuffed animals and a yeah. basket on the front like yeah people want to talk he took it off road he took it everywhere and it's just like he didn't worry about it and that was like that's what i want with a bike it's like a bike that i don't have to be precious about yeah yeah <laughs> love that i mean yeah. that's this has also been like a thing where it's basically like you know, I think of the, the more I've known about bikes, the more comfortable I am just basically being like, I mean, they're, they're actually not that fancy. Like it's, it's like, here's my analogy. It's like, it's like a window, right? Like a window in, in a, in a, in a building, when you first see it, you're like, oh, that's like, somebody put that together and it's like really well made. And I, I can't possibly mess with that window because then the house will leak and water will get in or wind or whatever. And then eventually you figure out that like a window is just a hole in the wall and that like any <laughs> hole in the wall is a window, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and that like bikes are basically the same. Like I'm coming to the thing where like bikes are basically the same thing. It's like a little pot boiler and two wheels. Yeah. And like anything that you can kind of like stick your little, like your little gas pot on yeah. and have the wheels roll well then it, that's that's the bike you know yeah. and like and the fear you know i used to have like a real, real big fear that like oh if i don't have it like checked out and pristine like i'm taking my life into my hands every single time and i think that's like a little bit true but i think it's also just you know you compensate and you drive for the bike that you have yeah I, it's also i find like 
a double edge because the more you learn about a bike and you go, oh, is it just that one tiny little bolt that holds that whole thing together? <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's actually kind of terrifying. And then you're like, am yeah. I, am I the one that's tightening that bolt? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, there's, there's, you know, there's two sides. I, I personally find a lot of comfort in that knowing that like I yeah. put it together, I know it's safe. I know it's, you know, whatever. Um, but also acknowledging that I can be incompetent at times and like forget things <laughs> and be yeah. like, shit, like this machine actually, what seems so complicated, like years when we start years ago when we started riding, now it just seems like, so simple. Do you know the origin of the, you know, the phrase haywire, like that's gone all haywire with something like that, yeah. that phrase. The origin of that phrase is actually from like logging culture because like back in the day when loggers were like, you know, using steam engines and blah, 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 they just used haywire to like hold everything together. Like everything was just haywired together. And so it was like, that's like a, it's a haywire operation being like, it's just held together with haywire. And like, the more I learn about like everything in like the material world around me, the more I'm just kind of like, Oh, the world is held together by haywire. Like (laughs) everywhere you go. It's just like, like the buildings that we live in are like haywire. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, this is just a uh, everything, you know, it's some nails holding some wood together. And my like, and four stories in the air, like trusting that this, these yeah. nails yeah. that were put in by a, by a carpenter a hundred years ago are, are somehow fine, Yeah, you know? And it's like, it's like, there's a kind of weird comfort to basically be like, it's all haywire. And if it's all haywire, then maybe having a motorcycle is fine, you know? <laughs> like you learn about the tolerances on a motorcycle and you're like, they're like, yeah, this should be somewhere between like here, like your chain, like how tight your chain is. Like I used to always want to be like, ah, it has to be just right. And it's like, and it's like, ah, it should be either an inch this way or an inch that way. Or like, if you hear it slapping, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it's like, that's so, you know, it's so like, that's haywire, you know, like th- yeah. that's, yeah. Does it kind of work? Okay. It, you know? it can yeah. kind of work. It can also come apart at any moment and you never know. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I think the longer, like the longer that I ride, um, the more, but like the, the wider that threshold is. The more for, like, you're more like relaxed about it. Well, like, like say like the chain thing, it's like, yeah, yeah there's this little bit of tolerance for like, you know, where it should be. Um, for me, the more I ride, that gets wider and go, ah, mm. I can allow it to be a little looser or a little <laughs> yeah. tighter or like, you know, the brakes aren't that great, but they're, yeah. s- they're stopping. Yeah. Ish. Well, like, you like adjust, yeah. you adjust for it. It's like you the adjust, sa- same thing with it. like tire pressure. It's like, do, am I riding like sort of normal? Okay, great. My tires must be great. Am I riding like I'm sort of drunk? Okay. I must need some air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I manage it all the way to the garage? Yeah, sure. I can. Whatever. Yeah. And I, I, I'm more and more like just kind of leaning into like that attitude. Like I just, and I feel like motorcycles actually train me to have that attitude about many things, mm-hmm. you know, like, because I think I'm somebody who does have inclinations towards perfectionism or like anxiety or like over worrying. And mm-hmm. that, the, yeah, that, that, that training of getting on this like kind of dumb machine that probably will hold together, but might not is just like a way of like having faith in, in the, ways that we put together the world for instance this time time very recently where i bent a valve in mm-hmm. the sporty and i is my first time getting into like en, like engine stuff which, yeah. which is still like foreign to me i'm like it's gonna be so crazy in there <laughs> it's like you know these tolerances that are like millimeters um and then someone told me like you know you don't have to be that picky about it like just tighten it till it's tight and make sure everything seals up and like the thing is like a locomotive like it's really simple mm-hmm. as long as there's fire and gas in that thing you're going to move it's going to be a motorcycle <laughs> and like it yeah. t- it took that thinking to allow me to actually proceed and right. like move on to actually get this bike working again um otherwise i would have just been like so paranoid about every little thing and like triple checking this and like is this is this millimeter the right millimeter <laughs> like right totally yeah. totally you know but, i have that all the time like and it, it's so it's like to just sort of be like oh okay i'm gonna try and just let it go yeah and once once you learn that these things are you know haywire <laughs> yeah. like, you, you, you can accept it a, a little easier right like that's the way it's yeah. supposed to be yeah totally um 
any uh really notable motorcycle stories you want to get out there no not not i mean <laughs> as I, I feel like i feel like i don't have any like wild or crazy like motorcycle stories mostly because i think it, it, i have a similar it has a little bit to do with like attitude around motorcycles it's like that i've slowly come you know to find them as a as a as a fun way of having transport and and not a thing and so like you know when i was young like i told that story about buying the motorcycle from the cop and like what it was like to like go around the first turn on the interstate and blah blah and like i really like made that a story and as my attitude towards like motorcycles has changed like my attitude towards like what a motorcycle story is has kind of changed too if that makes sense yep. you know like it isn't it's like you know i've done things like you know i've ridden like a blue ridge parkway and i've gone you know i did i've gone on a couple trips to la guajira on the motorcycles here and you know it's it's cool like the first time you cross a stream or the first time you you know drop it and you have to get it fixed in the middle of nowhere but like also at some point it, that feels like it's i like that it becomes not grounds for like a, a whole narrative it's just like this is mm -hmm. a part of it and and like that's like and that makes it it makes it kind of yeah like a, a peaceful part of life do you know what fucking sucks what fucking sucks stripped bolts <laughs> bolts do fucking suck what made like, you think of that i i don't know just like you know what what does fucking suck it's like i, don't, I can't believe we did not talk about it before because <laughs> a stripped bolt is like one of the most suckiest things <laughs> that could ever suck about a motorcycle especially an old like vintage bike it's having a stripped fucking bolt i'm gonna call you out i know why you thought about this why because last night we were in bed watching some stupid car restoration oh, yeah. show and there was one guy who was grinding off like all the okay. bolts and the yeah, other yeah. guy was like, no, we want to keep it. We want to keep it like old we school. We want to keep it original. We want to keep it original and we want to restore this. Don't be. And the guy was just like, man, just like yeah. slicing them all off. You don't keep it original by keeping stripped bolts. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. That's, but he didn't, yeah. E but didn't even, he didn't even try. Yeah, so true. anyway, I called you out. Yeah. I, I but forgot. you're right. I you're... totally forgot about watching that last night. But yeah, that's probably where it came from. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, did this this happen to you on your bike at oh, least once? A thousand times. Okay. A, a thousand, thousand times. A thousand times. This is there... a thing that happens to only Harley Davidsons. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the bolts may be more expensive for Harleys, but... Yeah, because they're Harley bolts. They're Har Harley bolts. Um, and like, yeah, I'm going to get into that quickly. Because, okay, so you're, you're working on your bike. Yeah. Um, and there are things called torque specs that try to prevent you from stripping bolts, or at least stripping, like, threads. That's the worst. Yeah. And, like, most people ignore them, including myself, <laughs> for the most part. Unless it's something, like, really important. Yeah. Like, you know, you get the gist of it. <clears throat> but, like, you're, you have the, the ratchet, crank it, crank it, and then you're going, like, slow, slow, slow. You're, like, thinking in your head, you're, like, I think this is tight enough just a little bit more just a little bit just snug a little bit more and then it spins uh, and you're like motherfucker no <laughs> and then you're like okay whatever i'm an idiot again i stripped <laughs> another bolt again again just like I, you said you would never do it again but you did you over tightened it and you stripped the threads off so <laughs> then you're like not a big deal I'm just going to um, uh, tap and dye it or whatever and like clean up the threads and put a new bolt in and whatever. It'll be fine. It'll be great. <clears throat> and? And what ends up happening is a series of events. That These are your options, okay? <laughs> so one is like stripped bolt. It's like, okay, I got to get this bolt out. There is... Uh, an easy out way to get the bolt, like a tool, mm -hmm. an extractor, mm -hmm. um, if you can get them to work. Mm -hmm. um, you can just drill it out and bash it with another hammer, screw, or whatever. You can dremel the head of a bolt and try to use it as a screwdriver bit. All these fucking tricks. Yeah. Um, impact hammer, whatever. All else fails. Uh, most rednecks end up cutting them off or drilling them out or like some like really brute way of getting yeah. a... a bolt out yeah um and then you fuck up the threads on the inside 
And then you're like, fuck it. Now I have to like drill the whole thing out and like Healy coil it, which is like putting in new threads, rethreading it and getting a different bolt. Then you find out that that one bolt is probably like $14 <laughs> and it has to be special ordered from like, you know, Harley Davidson or someplace. Yeah. Um, or it's like a Honda bolt and it's actually like a weird size and an uncommon like thread count on it. Like there's, there's common thread counts for bolts, but honda doesn't care about those <laughs> they're like no we're gonna make ours with like a really big bolt with like super fine threads and thread it backwards yeah and you're like why why would you do that to me honda it fucking sucks because it sucks and it sucks because the teeniest tiniest bolt that you strip is not a teeny tiny problem it's a big fucking problem every single time <laughs> And it fucking sucks. <laughs> this is pretty on topic, I feel like. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. Ow, did that just happen? Am I the one who says, and you're listening to episode 69 of the Salting Mother Clutchers podcast? It's like, yeah, I, it's like, I oh, you have that. a Honda Civic, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's not, there's not a big statement when you have a motorcycle. It's like, you need a reasonable form of transportation. Stripped bolts. <laughs> Those do suck. I agree with you. <laughs> All right. End of podcast. A uh, Honda Shadow. And she just leaves it right on the street. And she's like, occasionally I find it like a block or two from where I, from where <laughs> I left it. Where people like steal it, drive it a block. And are like, nah. nah. Like, Whatever, was, bitch does it in one take. Okay, then. And, uh, that's, it's, it was, it's anti-US bias. Just cutting out your US correspondent. It's more custom. So that's why all, that's why all <laughs> stock Hondas are custom. And then this is sort of, is this too long a story? I can bring no, it up. No, no, no. This is um, your podcast, Tori. Oh, amazing. Crank, 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 I'll crank. ratchet your nut. You'll ratchet my nut? <laughs> I'll strip your nut. I'll strip your nut. So what's the question? <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you also like like those bikes? Or are you also, are you sort of like, I, that? I'm not into the, I, the I, bikes that you can buy on the internet? That's poetic <laughs> oh, thank you <laughs> there's some stuff like that just because nobody wants to steal them you know and you can they actually yeah. are like great in new york because you can just park them wherever you want right like yeah. you know leave the keys in and people are like whatever <laughs> <laughs> once you get like detached from like status around the motorcycle it seems like a great way to have a motorcycle is like here's the motorcycle that i don't have to worry like the major concern about the motorcycle mm -hmm. in new york i just don't have to worry about it right know? I love that way of doing it. No, that's like, that feels like the right relationship to bikes. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so seen. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's like, to me, it, it's like, and you know, it's like, the stuff gets so like intertwined with your life when you have like a day where you're like, no, nope, no real communication. You're just like, that was a chill day. That was a great day.